Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I just want to take this time to personally thank all of our monthly supporters. We could not do what we do without giving from people like you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you're not a monthly supporter and you would like to become one, you can go to jude3project.org and hit the donate tab and sign up. We are grateful for you and we hope you enjoy today's new episode. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Jew 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. Well, thank you for watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jew 3 Project. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Lecrae. Welcome, Lecrae. What's going on? How y'all doing? How you doing? It's good to have you on the podcast. Uh, we did some recording together for the documentary we have coming up, but uh, we haven't had you. This is your first time on the actual Jude 3 Project podcast. So I'm excited to have you. For the people who may be living under a rock and don't know who you are, uh, share just a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I'll, um, off the top, uh, a lot of people know me as a, a music artist. Uh, so I uh, started uh, an independent record label called Reach Records. Um, you know, years back, uh, we've been fortunate enough to use our time, our talents, our treasures to, uh, you know, articulate a Christian worldview through, uh, music, primarily hip hop music. Uh, since then I've just got myself involved in a lot of different things in terms of community activism, um, and, uh, just leadership and, uh, father, husband and servant of the Lord. And it's all I, all I can say. That's what's up. Your uh, your song. It was I. I can't remember the hook, but it was like only your love was the first Christian rap song uh, <laughs> when I was in undergrad that I heard that I liked. Uh, I was like, oh okay, this is this isn't bad. I heard I found you on MySpace, uh, and that was like the first song somebody had it on their page. So that's I know that's a throwback. I don't even know if you performed that in that song anymore. That is a throwback. <laughs> so uh, you have a, a new album out, uh, well, new single, I'm sorry, and you will have a new album out. And uh, the first song was called Set Me Free, which I like the intro uh, taking from Shackles, Mary Mary. Yeah. Um, what was kind of the motivation behind uh, Set Me Free? Uh, the motive behind Set Me Free was um, in going through my own process of restoration um, I had to believe that, you know, I was not a slave. I was not a slave to societal standards. I was not a slave to um, the, the the ideals that I had uh, come into the faith with. I was not a slave to the spiritual strongholds that were trying to pull me down. And, um, and so it was just an articulation of, of I am free and I need to remind myself of that freedom that I have, even when I feel um, weighed down by the world by life. And so uh, that's, that was the motivation. That That's awesome. And I know you kind of have a book um, that tells us about that restoration journey um, and your kind of re understanding your faith, um, which I've heard you talk about a little bit. What was the initial struggle for you with faith after becoming a believer? Because a lot of times we think when we're doing apologetics, we're doing apologetics to unbelievers, but I think, 
there's a large group of skeptics that sit in the pews uh, because of experiences with with people in the pews. So um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, I had uh, I I had, you know, coming from my background where I was a, a person whose identity was predicated on um, being validated, being affirmed. And then when I came into the faith, um, I, I came into this idea that I no longer needed to be validated or affirmed that, you know, Jesus had done this and I'm good. But, you know, old habits die hard. And so a lot of those 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 wounds and that trauma that I had been raised with, I hadn't dealt with them. And so I was beginning to use the validation of Christians and leaders as a sense of identity. And um, after Trayvon and Tamir and Philando and Eric Garner, you name it, I spoke out about some of those particular things. I had, I spoke out about, uh, you know, political issues and I had no idea because I wasn't raised in the church. I, I didn't understand that there were certain political camps that the majority of Christians walk with and there were views on those uh, issues of society um, that a lot of Christians, specifically my white brothers and sisters, uh, did not um, understand or appreciate. And so the backlash that I faced started to tear at my sense of ident identity, my validation, my affirmation, um, not just the backlash, but also the lack of support that I received from a lot of Christian leaders that I respected. And so I began to wrestle with, well, well, wait a minute, who is this God? I thought that God was this. And if these are your people, God, I don't know where, where else to look. And so that's when I began to just uh, go through a, a, a series of doubt and just not believing. I, if, if God, if you're good, how is this happening in society? And here I am trying to proclaim your name and this all this is going on. And uh, and so that was the, the the seed of my well, the seed of my doubt was planted. Mm -hmm. What what kind of helped you through that space? Because I think a lot of people are there currently. What what helped you through that? Yeah, you know the thing about um, you you can't convince a person that God loves them. They have to experience it, right? They like I can say God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But when you're experiencing things, it, it's almost an, not until you're in a place where you're, you've turned your back on God, you've begun to go in a whole different direction, and yet he's still consistent. He's still faithful. He's still by your side. And that's what I was beginning to experience. I, I was experiencing that God was not transactional, that I couldn't turn him on and say, hey, fix this right now. But he was relational. He was willing to walk with me through the dark parts of my life. Um, and, and, and how that manifested itself uh, was me beginning to first, you know, I was in a place of doubt and despair, um, which led to severe depression, severe anxiety. And, um, and when you're in a space like that, there, you know, I, I was thinking there was no God. So I was running the science and, um, and science and God are not mutually exclusive. As a matter of fact, um, a, a robust theology should include science, right? Mm -hmm. but, but what ended up happening for me is that in my pursuit of understanding what was going on with my, my mind, um, a lot of these principles that were showing up with these great um, scientists 
were biblical principles. And, and, you know, a lot of these concepts were biblical concepts. And I was like, I've heard this before, but just in a different way. And I began to say, okay, um, you know what? Let's, let's say there is a God. And I just started with deism. And so this can, this can extend kind of long, but, um, but let, let, and to, to, to kind of shorten it up, this is what happened essentially. If I matter, if I have purpose, if I have worth, if there's any reason for me to find help for myself, where does that come from? Because if I if there's no God and I and I have no purpose and everything is just chaos and then I'm just a, a bunch of atoms and cells, then what's the point of me trying to find hope and healing and and better and, and betterment? I, nothing matters. And I was in a place where I did feel like I mattered. I did feel like I wanted health and wholeness. And so I had to believe that there was a God who designed me with purpose, with uh, uh, a standard of of health and wholeness. So I said, okay, there is a God. Well, who is this God? Because I refused to go back into the portal of westernized Christianity that I had come from. And that took me on a journey of investigating, um, you know, the, the ancient Hebraic roots of who God was. And I'm not talking about like a Hebrew Israelite, but like authentic Jewish culture. And, um, and man, it was just so much undeniability there uh, that it, it led me down a path where God really opened my eyes to see uh, that he was walking with me the whole time. And, and that uh, Jesus was indeed my Messiah that I can rely on. And, uh, and that that's where my plane ended up landing. And I think that's helpful for so many people. Um, I think people are scared to question God or they're scared when doubts come. And Mm. I love uh, one of the most encouraging thing to me was when my Old Testament professor in seminary said, um, God is not scared of your questions. He welcomes them. Mm. And that was so freeing because, you know, sometimes you think I can't question God in even in the space we are now where it's like we're living in a twilight zone of bizarre stuff happening every day with this uh, COVID-19. Um, it's okay to have questions like, why is this going on? Um, so right. I think hearing people, people hearing you say that um, can be helpful to them knowing, okay, this is a part of the Christian journey. Um, yeah. You you struggle with things. I remember struggling with why God let things happen to innocent children in seminary heavy. And, you know, that being like, the question for me that that yeah. struck me and I'm like a seminary student in ministry, like not knowing if God is real. And um, <laughs> and yeah. it scares you because you're like people looking up to me and I don't even know. Um, so it's encouraging to hear that. And I think also it's encouraging for you to share that because I think we're in a time where people are looking for somebody to pray to and rely on um, yeah. seeing celebrities um, taking different um different routes in spirituality or just mixing it all together. And so you go on this journey to see how, who, who is the person I'm supposed to pray to and rescue me? Absolutely. I welcome the the journey. And I think you have to welcome the journey. You have to, because um, otherwise you're assuming that everyone is starting at the same place and, and everyone is, his perspective is at the same place. So I like going on a journey with people. I enjoy that process. I know a lot of folks ask me all the time when you, when I collaborate with these artists who are not believers, um, a lot of times it's me joining them 
You know, it's me saying, hey, this is where I'm at in my in my journey. Where are you at? And then just kind of hearing where they are, what they're wrestling with and how they're processing things. Um, and it helps me to be to become a better apologist because then I can see like, OK, this is what you're I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and, and I totally agree. I love when, um, you know, people feel a sense of comfortability that a, a Christian man has no problem with the fact that they don't believe in God and, and that they're willing. They, they're like, oh, wow, you're not. We can talk about this. Absolutely. We can talk about it. I, I love those opportunities. <laughs> When you, when you think of restoration, um, because so much of your work right now is is centered around that, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, uh, when I think of restoration, I think of of, of broken things being mended, right? Um, uh, broken things being mended, and and God is the, the the supreme at mending broken things. Like there is <laughs> there is no limit on which He cannot restore. And so that's really a, a huge part of my journey is that I thought I was at breaking point. You know, candidly, um, I was traveling too much. My family was in disarray. My marriage was in disarray. My faith was in disarray. And I, I just felt there's no way God could restore all this. And now, I mean, not only has he restored it, he's shown me uh, it, it's better than it was before. And so... Um, yeah, when I think of restoration, I think of God mending broken things. And and I don't care if you're incarcerated. I don't care if you experienced divorce. I don't care if it's been a death. God is a restorer. And um, and that's that's in his nature, you know, through, all throughout the scriptures. That's just what he does again and again and again. That's awesome. I think people are in the place where we need restoration, uh, where um, when God restores, he like you're saying, he actually makes things better than they were before. Because uh, yeah. we're about to go into where ne- things will never be the same. And people are like, I want to go. I hope it gets back. And restoration is, is going to have to be a different normal uh, for us. Um, and it could be an even better normal if we if we seek God for for that direction. So I'm, I'm so thankful for that. What are some ways that you're trying to help push this message forward of restoration? I know you're doing some work with different nonprofits to, to help that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've been involved with, um, some things locally in Atlanta, obviously love beyond walls. Who's, you know, done phenomenal work in Atlanta with people experiencing homelessness, my good buddy, Terrence Lester, and I partnered up and, uh, and created a campaign called love sinks in where, um, we're able to put sinks, uh, or, or washing stations with soap and water around the city of Atlanta. Um, it spread to Ohio, to Austin, Texas, and different places like that. Um, and, and that's just, honestly, it was a simple gesture. There was no idea of it becoming a national campaign. It was a simple gesture, um, because of the idea of restoration, because of the fear and the panic and what everybody's going through. Um, you know, if you, and I'm not saying that this is what is happening, but I'm saying that I don't, I don't put it past God. Um, you know, when you look in the scriptures and you know, God would tell Israel, hey, the land needs to rest after seven years. Um, and, you know, there was only one period of time where the land didn't rest. Uh, and it was the 490 years. And then God came back and said, I got to take back those years that you didn't allow the land to rest. And so there were 70 years of of them, you know, uh, having to be away from their land in captivity. So 
I'm just I'm not saying that's what God is doing. I'm just saying that I don't put it past a, a great and, and and mighty God to say, hey, y'all need to take care of my land and my people. Y'all need to, you know, allow the things that I need to happen happen in my land so that, you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a demonstration of our stewardship and, and, and how we can as Christians uh, be a part of the restorative process. That's awesome. I know another way that um, you're kind of working and, and pushing for restoration is through film um, yeah. with three strands. Um, and what kind of what is the motivation for for you doing that? Because I know you also have a documentary coming out as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, my buddy Adam Thompson and I started a film company called Three Strand Films. Um, I was I was courted by a lot of uh, production companies to do films, to do movies um, and was was basically like almost living in Los Angeles doing this stuff. And I just thought to myself, you know, no one's going to tell the story like I I would tell it or my 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 family would tell it. And so we wanted to to combine forces to to do that. And so we've created a a documentary that will be released in vignettes uh, coming up called uh, Restoration, the documentary. And uh, it will detail kind of how I ended up in this in the dark space that I was in and then how I've gotten to uh, a place of of, you know, life and healing and a lot of old wounds that caused me a lot of pain um, are brought up and there's some real healing that happens there. And I'm talking about marriage. I'm talking about father wounds. I'm talking about, you know, all faith and doubt and all of those things are, 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 uh, we walk through them all. That's dope. And I think that'll be really helpful um, to engage culture. Um, I think, you know, one of the things you've been consistent in following your career is trying to engage culture and getting out the box just of the church space. Um, mm. How would you advise people that want to engage people, especially in this time? And even when we get out of this time, what are some things that are some wisdom principles that you've gained over the years in engaging other celebrities, just other people that engage culture that you think the church often misses? Um. Well, you know, one is is something that I think is very simple is just talking as if there are non-believers present, right? Talking as if there are non-churched people in your midst. Um, I think oftentimes we use a lot of Christianese and we use terminology that we just assume everybody understands and everybody knows and, and we don't unpack it. You know, I remember the first time somebody asked me, was I saved? And I was like, I don't really even know what that means. And you got to remember like that. Everyone has a different idea of these terms and these concepts. So when you say sin or you say saved, you know, people don't know exactly what you're talking about. And I think we assume they do, um, but we don't. I thought saved meant, you know, kind of living like my grandmother, um, not drinking and not smoking and not cussing and eating peppermints and, and screaming in church on Sunday. I didn't have a, a an unpacked idea of what that meant. So that would be one thing I would say is just talking as if, you know, uh, people who don't know your lingo are, are in the room. And another thing I would say is, um, you know, I look at the church kind of in a, uh, in a, in a square, um, with a cross in the middle. And I would say that in these different quadrants, um, are different types of church folk. And you, you have the church folk in one quadrant who are 
uh, more about distinction. And this is how distinct I am as a Christian. I don't do this. I do do this. And, and then you have some kind of uh, transformational um, ch- change the culture Christians. And so it's kind of like we want to have, you know, we, we want to take these things out of the culture and, and, and change this, you know, schools, there should be prayer and, and things like that. And then up in this quadrant, you have kind of humble excellence. And we just want to do good work and and make sure that it's done in excellence. And then in this quadrant, you have, um, you know, the neighborly do good unto others uh, kind of Christians who are social philanthropists and so on and so forth. And oftentimes the people in these four quadrants fight over which one is authentic Christianity. And the world is looking at that, right? These people are saying, well, all y'all are really doing are feeding the poor. And these people are saying, all y'all are doing is screaming at people, Bible verses. And, and in reality, they're watching us fight instead of realizing for us, all of this is Christianity. And, and, and we need to love people and be neighborly and do hum, make humble excellence and be transformational and be distinct. And I think that's what uh, the church should embrace as they navigate the culture. That's helpful. When you think about the questions that culture is asking, what do you think uh, the leading questions that people are asking about faith right now? Ooh, that's a good, that's good. Um, I think, um, you know, the kind of Gen X millennial question was, issue was freedom. I think people wanted freedom. They wanted to like, where's freedom found? Where can I have it? And, and, and so, you know, the millennial and Gen Xers spent a lot of time helping people understand how Jesus gives us freedom. I think now the, the Gen Z or the, the younger millennial slash Gen Z are strongly looking for identity, strongly looking for their place and their purpose and their worth and their value. Um, we live in a very narcissistic society in terms of social media, in terms of clout. And, and though these are always been at the heart of man, I think it's, it's definitely a God of this era where your worth and your identity um, are huge and where are you finding that and where are you pulling that from? And uh, so I think that's a, that's a huge piece right now um, for, for this generation. Do you think the question of Christianity and the white man's religion is losing its theme in culture or, or picking up? No, that's a great question. Um, I think within black culture, that's just always going to be a thing. I think until um, Christians, you know, especially black Christians can, you know, um, really establish and, and put that ideal to rest kind of in a homogenous collective way um, that right now there's specialists like yourself or like an Eric Mason or like a Vincent Bantu um, who are paving the way for this. But I think until it becomes commonplace, it's always going to kind of be a thing, you know, it's going to be a thing within our culture in the same way, um, you know, uh, people will say, oh, man, you're shucking and jiving or you're whitewashed or some certain things along those lines have just kind of always been. And people are like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that was what I was doing. So I think that will always be an issue in our community. Um, and I think it's necessary for, for us to make it a little more commonplace that this is not a white man's religion. 
that it's a it's eastern it's it's very much eastern and it has african roots that uh predate slavery so that's that's helpful um one of the things i know that you are also is a businessman um and you've um also developed partnerships um that help kind of restore even in the business space um what kind of uh, business partnerships uh should we be looking out for that you're that you're uh that you're working on yeah so um you know there were prior to Corona, there was a big press rollout for uh, this this organization, and now we're doing it a little smaller across the web. But um, but Collab Capital is a um, you know uh, led by three incredible founders, uh, Justin, uh, Jewel, and Barry. Uh, Jewel is actually the first African American woman to sell her company to Amazon. Uh, but they are innovators and and uh, and have created a fund, a uh, fifty million dollar fund to that specifically aims at black businesses. So I'm one of the, uh, the the partners in this fund, making sure that black businesses uh, get the opportunity to thrive. Oftentimes they're looked over or not paid attention to in the, uh, in the business sector. And so it, it takes, um, you know, intentionality and, 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 and investment in these particular companies to make sure that they can get the, the fair shot that they deserve. That's what's up. That's that's helpful. We definitely need need that in in our um, in our community because uh, yeah. we often are behind in getting the funding funding that we yeah. need. Unfortunately, so thank you for doing that. Uh, what would be your your words, your final words about restoration that that we might not have talked about that you want our audience to know? Oh man, I, you know, um, I think. On one end of the spectrum, obviously an album is coming out called Restoration. So support that album. Um, we'll be dropping it in a time and in a season when, you know, I can't travel around and, and promote it and things along those lines. So um, so I made it for y'all. I hope it blesses y'all. But the biggest thing I, I would want people to walk away with this is that, um, you know, God knows what he's doing and, and he's not asleep at the wheel. Um, he hasn't left you out to dry. Um, and all of these things that we look at in society and the world, uh, from the hurting to those who are struggling, um, is not, you know, uh, this evil bearded person in the sky. Um, and, and so I, I just want people to know, like, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, man, you know, I said, God got us. And someone said, no, God did this to us. And I was like, are you, are you mad at him? No, I don't even believe in him. I was like, you can't be mad at somebody you don't believe in. Mm. Now, if if you believe in him, you've got to believe in who he is and, and believe in the consistency of his character throughout time, throughout scripture. And the consistency of his character is that he is a restorer. We see it in Jeremiah. He made a promise. He made a promise in Jeremiah 29, 11, that he knows the plans for you, that they're good plans to prosper you. He's talking to uh, people who are in captivity. So there was a great promise, but it was it was because of a problem. And and so God is always working behind the scenes through our calamities, through our pain, through the turmoil that happens for something greater in the in a grand narrative. And and that greater includes you and I. That greater includes everyone out there who's struggling. Um, he plan he has great plans to restore. 
Um, it's us. It's just a matter of us trusting him. It's a matter of us saying, you know what, you're in control. I rest in you. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to rest so he can do the restoration. That's what's up. What books would you, final question, uh, what books would you recommend that's helped you in your journey that's apologetic books that you say, man, you got to read this for our listeners? And also, what are your social media handles and how can people get in contact with you? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, social media handles out the way, I'll say, uh, you know, it's at Lecrae, L-E-C-R-A-E across all platforms. Um, man, let me, the books that have really helped me, um, you know, I think I needed this book specifically during the time period that I was wrestling. I was that was divided by faith um, just to help me understand uh, people's vantage points and perspectives on race and faith. Um, so I thought that that was very necessary um, for me in my, in my wrestle. Um, in terms of apologetic uh, works, I mean, most of that, most of the stuff that, ha- that I have experienced as of late um, hasn't been in the, in, in the form of a book. It's been listening, honestly, to a Vince Bantu talk for hours on the internet and lecture. Um, but he does have a book uh, coming uh, if it's not out by now, but he does have that book. Um, Soon Chan, Chan Ra, uh, uh, listening to these these individuals um, talk. And I think that's really what I've done a lot of, Lisa. I've sent people to, you know, websites, obviously, um, you know, uh, sent them to videos of Eric Mason and yourself and Vince uh, having communication. I think that's what this Gen Z does anyways. They want to they want to listen. They're YouTube scholars. So if you're going to go to YouTube, look up Vince Bantu, look up Lisa Fields, look up Eric Mason, um, even Kirk Franklin dropping gems on the Breakfast Club these days. So that's that's kind of where I've been at. That's that's helpful. Thank you for the shout out as well. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for uh, being with us on the podcast. I greatly, greatly appreciate your support uh, for G3 Project. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. So thank you again for that. Yeah, it's an honor. Sincerely glad to be here. Glad to do it. Well, thank you so much for watching. Uh, You can catch all our past episodes at G3Project.org and you can get our new curriculum through Eyes of Color um, there and take our online course and donate at G3Project.org. Remember here at the G3 Project, we're helping you know what you believe and why you believe it. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the G3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune in to all our past episodes at www.ju3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember, we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching Jude3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jude3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in 
a gift or give online. We appreciate you and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless and remember, here at the Jupe 3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.